Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Dolphins and welcome into the Tuesday, October the 23rd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we recount the wreckage following that 32 to 21 loss to the Detroit Lions as injuries are piling up for the third straight year under Adam Gase. We'll discuss that. Recap what went so horribly wrong for this Miami defense and peek ahead to the offseason and which quarterbacks we might need to get used to. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, now on Google Play, or however you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins, and check out my work up on LockedOnDolphins.com, FanRag Sports, Palm Beach Post, ThirdAndTen.com. But that central hub is always going to be LockedOnDolphins.com. We have great content for you guys every single day. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Draft Dude podcast from the Draft Network, those guys do a fantastic job. We have an injury report that's about half the Dolphins roster. Let's go ahead and break that down. Miami listed 17 players on the Monday practice report, the injury report from Monday, I should say, which is essentially your Wednesday practice report on a short week. Everything gets accelerated by three days or two days, I should say, before the game on Thursday. And our fears are close to being confirmed on Albert Wilson. It sounds like he will miss the entire season, if not several weeks ahead of that. So I don't see there's much point in bringing him back for the end of the year. Kenny Stills has been ruled out for the Houston game. Ryan Tannehill out for the third straight game. And on the practice list did not participate was Charles Harris and AJ Derby the defensive end and tight end for the Miami Dolphins limited participants were Danny Amendola Mike Gesicki and TJ McDonald now there was some guys on the list that were full participants they were Cameron Wake Vincent Taylor Brock Osweiler Bobby McCain Rashad Jones Jakeem Grant Jesse Davis Jerome Baker and Stephon Anthony L-O-L. That's basically the entire starting unit of the Miami Dolphins. This season is turning out to be worse than last year's dreadful medical nightmare, but we press on here on the podcast, and we're actually going to talk about the injuries this team has accrued over the last three years, and we'll do that right now. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I want to talk about why this 4-3 and three record sitting here at the end of October feels so why it feels like Miami is as far away as they've ever been from contending. And one of those reasons, of course, is the fact that the Patriots are an unstoppable machine that turns out 12 plus wins every single year. Here we are again at four and three and the division already feels lost. Whereas other divisions like our opponent on Thursday, the Houston Texans, for example, are at four and three on top of their division and they feel like the favorites in the AFC South. So in addition to being behind the Patriots eight ball over and over and over again, we're sitting here with an injury list that could be half the damn roster for all we're concerned. And most of these guys are starters. And yesterday's podcast, you guys heard me talk about the perpetual cycle of being a six to 10 win team, nine years running now for the Dolphins. That's what they've been swallowed up and absorbed by the middling ground of mediocrity, the area of the NFL that no one really cares about, quite frankly. Either you're a championship contender or you're one of those top draft picks bringing in a new superstar, possibly a new quarterback to change your team and turn it around. 
Well, the hope of this team was the quality depth all over the roster that was going to change things and make this team not just competitive, but resilient and impervious to this very thing. But there are always going to be a set of injuries, a set of players, a group of players, be it a particular player or overwhelming a particular group on your roster that you simply cannot overcome. And this appears to be the case for the Miami Dolphins this year. They came into the year with a rock solid starting offensive line. That thought is done, gone out the window. We'll talk to you about why on the next segment here. Miami's wide receivers were good and they were deep. Now we roll into Houston with Devontae fucking Parker likely playing a heavy workload in that game. How the hell is that going to work out, by the way? His agent just called his head coach incompetent. And I know Adam Gaze is supposed to remove all that stuff and just go to work. But you think Parker's going to give 100% effort? I don't. The defensive end position was supposed to be loaded. William Hayes is out for the year again. Cameron Wake missed two games. Charles Harris, Jonathan Woodard, Andre Branch all been banged up, all missed games. Marquise Gray lost for the year. A.J. Derby, Mike Gesicki all been dinged up at tight end as Derby has missed multiple games in a row. And Gesicki now finds himself on that injury report. Rashad Jones missed two games. Bobby McCain missed two games. The starting quarterback is out once again. Really, the only positions that haven't been completely derailed by injuries are running back and linebacker, two of, frankly, the least important positions in the league. So I don't know if it's fair to evaluate this team under Adam Gaze this year or really any year before this. And that's what makes all of this suck. All of this stuff stings so damn bad because we just don't know what to expect going forward or even on Thursday, we can't know what to expect with this team. We can't even properly evaluate our own team because it's a bunch of street free agents and backups and late round draft picks playing serious time on Sundays. Wesley Johnson, Jamius Pittman, Sonoris Perry getting reps on Sundays. What? Those guys are special team slash backup slash guys that were supposed to be on the practice squad. They were not supposed to be getting reps on Sundays in game time. I'm not saying this is all excusable. Some of the same issues still persist from the staff from years past. But seriously, what the hell are they supposed to do? I don't know many teams that could have survived this or any team at all. Probably New England because of that unstoppable machine that just churns out players and players that come up and step into the lineup and produce every single year, it seems. And I know I've been on the optimistic side all offseason. And even through the 3-0 start, I was playing the I told you so game. But the injuries every single week keep piling up. Before the season starts, Marquise Gray starting tight end. He's lost for the season. After the Titans game, Josh Sitton, prized offensive lineman, free agent, starting left guard. He's out for the year. Against the Jets, Rashad Jones misses two games. Oakland Raiders, Andre Branch, William Hayes both lost in that game. New England Patriots, Cameron Wake, Bobby McCain, Dan Kilgore. They're both out for the, after that game. The Bengals, Ryan Tannehill, Charles Harris both out, both out after that game. The Bears, did we get through that one? I think we lost someone, but I can't recall who it was in that one. Detroit, Wilson, Stills, possibly Davis and Larson who left late. I mean, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? I think there are redeeming qualities in Adam Gaze, and I want to see him get his quarterback that he particularly hand selects, and I want to see him have a damn season without multiple debilitating injuries that completely ruin entire position groups because... This just isn't fun when you're banking on backups all year long across the entire roster. All right, guys, we're going to go over the game on Sunday, some key notes, some stats and developments, and we'll talk about my position on Ryan Tannehill and the future of the quarterback position. We'll do all of that next, but first, a word from my bookie. By now, you've probably heard about mybookie.ag, the best bet you'll make all season, and people always ask me for advice on which games to bet on, and my honest truth answer is always, it's not about who you're betting on, it's who you're betting through, 
And that's why I always urge my listeners to go through my bookie. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. So that's why I want you to make your way to my bookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And if you deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code locked on. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E and don't forget to use that promo code one word locked on when creating your account to claim up to $1000 in free play money and if you'll hold out until after 7 p.m. Eastern, you can get that extra $25 free play by using promo code locked on 25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra money with my bookie where you play, you win, you get paid. Rolling into segment number two on the Tuesday Aftermath version podcast of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. As always, I am your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL on Twitter, and the show is at Locked On Fins. Let's go ahead and break right into this Dolphins and Lions affair and just where the Dolphins come down after this game in terms of overall team ranks, some player metrics and snap counts, all the things we've come to love from this Tuesday edition of the podcast. The Dolphins defense not looking good so far. We talked about how they've allowed the opposition to produce points on 11 of the last 15 drives. The defense now ranks 29th in yards allowed, 28th in yards per play, and 19th in points per game. Other side of the football, not a whole lot better. Miami's offense, though they are 9th in yards per play because they never run any plays in the game at all, are 21st in total offense, 23rd in scoring offense, 26th in plays ran, 24th in third down percentage, and 23rd in red zone scoring percentage. And while Miami's offensive line stayed in the game for the most part, the only change was the very end when Wesley Johnson replaced Ted Larson for just three snaps. The Dolphins go from eight pressures allowed against the Bears last Sunday to 26 pressures on 38 dropbacks. Jesse Davis, probably the biggest culprit, allowed two sacks and five hurries for seven total pressures. Travis Swanson allowed nine pressures on Brock Osweiler. Ted Larson and Jawan James allowed four each. In the running game, Kenyon Drake had 36 reps. Frank Gore had 25 on the offense. And Kenyon Drake, outside of that big run, didn't really do a whole lot. He dropped two passes and was largely not creative on his running opportunities. And Frank Gore didn't really get it going in the game either. As far as wide receivers go, Danny Amendola caught all eight of his pass targets. This is the second straight game Kenny Stills had just one catch. And it was almost the exact same catch in the two-point conversion from the game before. Him and Brock Osweiler clearly have a disconnect. The backup quarterback, the number one receiver, that sometimes will happen. Jakeem Grant, he had a decent game but didn't really make an impact as a receiver. Caught just two passes on only two targets. I'm not sure why he was left in the dust so much there. Nick O'Leary, once again, another clean sheet and pass protection. He played very well. I thought Mike Kosicki had his best game so far as a pro. He held up in both pass protection in the running game and caught three balls for 44 yards. Both of those career highs so far. And for my money, Brock Osweiler was better in this game. He was accurate on 71% of his throws. He completed balls for 7.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns and no turnovers. I thought he was much better in this game than the Chicago game. No mistakes, played in rhythm and was good on third down once again. Going over to the defense, 
Ugh, it was not pretty. Let's go over these snap counts real quick. Robert Quinn and Cam Wake both played 37 reps. Andre Branch, 29. Cam Malvo, 27. So that discrepancy there is pretty even amongst those four defensive ends. They want to use a rotation regardless of who is available for them on the roster. So basically, if you're playing the game on defensive end, you're going to get some reps. Defensive tackles. Here's my biggest disagreement of the snap count distribution. Devon Godshaw, 47 reps. That's to be expected, 73% of them. Akeem Spence, 41. But Vincent Taylor, only 23. He's at 36% compared to Akeem Spence's 64%. And Jamius Pittman gets 15 reps. So Vince Taylor is closer to Jamius Pittman than he is Akeem Spence. I don't quite get that. The linebackers, Kiko Alonso played them all. Rayquan McMillan played 54. Jerome Baker, 31. And Stephon Anthony got six reps. The cornerbacks, Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, both played all the snaps, as did TJ McDonald and Rashad Jones, 64 for all of those guys. And Minka Fitzpatrick played 37 in this game. The Dolphins missed 10 tackles in the game. McMillan, McCain, and McDonald, lots of mix, all had two missed tackles each within the game. Raekwon's grade on PFF was actually pretty good. He had the two missed tackles, but he also had six run stops in the game defensively. Jerome Baker and Kiko were gashed in this one, completely taken to the shed. Alonzo and Baker both allowed a touchdown in pass coverage, and both were mostly non-existent against the run in this game. The Dolphins' front four, absolutely atrocious. Only eight pressures on Matt Stafford. Only two of those hits, the Andre Branch sack and a hit from Robert Quinn as well. Quinn, speaking of him, had his worst day as a Dolphin. His run grade was only 38.5, worst among Dolphins against the run on the day. Actually, second worst behind Kiko Alonso, I should say. Bobby McCain got targeted and victimized. He allowed four out of five targets to go complete against him for 41 yards. And TJ McDonald and Rashad Jones both had their worst grades of the year because of poor angles, because of missed tackles, and just bad run fits altogether. This defensive showing was just a train wreck all the way around from scheme to execution to snap counts. Whatever it was, they found a way to mess up and allow the Lions to get all over them. It makes you wonder what the plan will be going into Thursday because, as we know, over the course of history, this defense has has really, really struggled with athletic mobile quarterbacks, and they'll get one of the best in Deshaun Watson. And speaking of that Houston game coming up on Thursday, just about 48 hours away, depending on when you listen to this podcast, just a quick thought, without the services of Albert Wilson or Kenny Stills, it's going to be down to Jakeem Grant, Danny Amendola, and Devontae Parker. So I imagine the Dolphins will roll with some tight end packages, at least I hope, show that Adam Gase has the ability to adapt to a roster that has been depleted by injuries. I hope they get away from the fact that they've ran 90% 11 personnel because that means that Devontae Parker has to play every snap. And like I said, I don't know what you can expect out of him there. Not to mention the Texans defensive line is very, very good. The pass rush is very, very good. And Miami would be best served to go max protection, use a heavy tight end play action based style offense with Brock Osweiler and maybe take your shots deep out of that package to a Jakeem Grant or maybe even to a Mike Isicki down the field. So more tight ends, please. We'll see if AJ Derby becomes available. We'll talk more about this game on tomorrow's podcast with the crossover, talking to the Locked On Texans host. And of course, we'll preview the game on Thursday. But coming up next on the podcast, we're going to talk about the quarterback position, Ryan Tannehill, and just what's going on there. We'll do that next after a word from Swap.com. And whether you're shopping for you, your wife, or your little ones, the amount of money we spend on new brand name clothes is absolutely crazy. And that's why Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store, is here to help. 
With Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail price on your favorite brands, whether it's Lululemon, Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, Gap, they have it all. They have quality hand-inspected items that are added every single day. And if something doesn't fit, you can enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days. And for a special time only, our listeners can get 35% off select items for your first order with promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On, for 35% off select items. Plus, you can find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage. That's Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. And as the calendar turns another day, we're back on the same topic as this Ryan Tannehill saga continues to unfold in very curious and peculiar ways for the Miami Dolphins. Adam Gaze made a joke at his press conference on Monday talking about Ryan Tannehill throwing the football and how he started throwing, but then he made a joke about it being one of the kids' Nerf balls from around the facility, from around the Dolphins building. So I don't know what's going on there. As far as my overall feeling about Ryan Tannehill. I've been getting a lot of messages about why are you turning on him so quick? Why are you quick to bury him into the ground? And it's not that I'm burying him. I just think the writing is on the wall because an injury was the one thing that he could not have. And while I think his stats were good and he was playing okay through the first three games, I think there was still a lot of mental lapses that I expected him to get corrected over the course of having an entire year off. He was missing so many reads, so many pivotal points of this offense that he has to make a pre-snap read and a post-snap judgment and get that processing down and make a play happen. And it was the same mistakes that plagued him throughout his career that started to kind of become less so in 2016, but they came back early on in 2018. That was discouraging. But then the injury, that's where it really falls apart. And I don't think that my scouting was necessarily off, but I do think that one part of my scouting that I didn't really go all the way into was when you watch it on tape, you can't always tell about the processing or what the play call was or what he should have done. You can make your assumptions, but watching his tape in 2016, all the highlight plays, all the big time throws, all the scrambles, the comfortability he was showing in the pocket. I loved all that, but the processing issue just never really seemed to get fixed. And that's one of those things that you can kind of gloss over and get excited about on highlight tapes or even on the film. It's just that at this point with the injury, I'm, I'm not out on Ryan Tannehill as an asset, but I think his options or prospects of having success within this organization, I think those odds are low just because they don't really support the quarterback. The offense has been so bad for a long time that it hasn't really mattered who the quarterback was. They've all been failures to this point for the Miami Dolphins. And at this point, I would think that he would want to move on too. If you can give me a healthy Ryan Tannehill in 2019 playing at the same level as 2016, I would be thrilled to have that guy back under center for the Dolphins. So far, it hasn't been him. And like I said, missing all this time due to injury it's just not beneficial for your team going forward because a season can get off the rails so fast when your quarterback is banged up. And yeah, the injuries were kind of bad luck, but they are what they are. And you just can't bank on a 31-year-old quarterback who has missed the majority of the time the last couple of years. And what might be the most ironic thing of the entire offseason and this season as it goes on eight weeks in now is that all summer, the only complaints I could really see in August were about the backup quarterback position, which was such a frivolous thing to worry about in the first place. And now Brock Osweiler has proven his worth on this team really as much as anybody. He might be the bridge to a young guy, given his knowledge of the offense and the effectiveness he has shown through two games so far. If he plays a couple more games and does the exact same thing, I have to think he's the backup quarterback option going forward into 2019. 
And speaking of turning the page on the quarterback, if we're going to have to do that, let's talk about the options we have. At least for now, as we go forward, I'm sure more names will emerge as they do every single season. But just watching the college game and keeping an eye on the developments across the NFL, here are some names you might think about looking at this offseason regarding the Dolphins quarterback position going forward. The veterans, Derek Carr, Oakland is in a full sale fire sale mode right now. He would fit Adam Gaze's offense, but there's also a reason that he might become available. Teddy Bridgewater, the Miami native, showed tremendous project progress this preseason. Can he do it with live bullets? again back in 2019 that remains to be seen Alex Smith's future may be tied to Jay Gruden Washington Gruden gets fired Smith could become available he'd become a great bridge quarterback to the next young guy you want to draft and speaking of that draft Justin Herbert the top guy of the list I don't love him personally but he has a big arm he's athletic and struggles to get through his progressions Dwayne Haskins one of the most natural passers in college football with a high football intelligence but he struggles against pressure Will Greer smooth in everything he does tremendous time and timing and consistent accuracy, but he hasn't shown the ability to manipulate zone coverage with his eyes. Drew Locke, size, arm, athleticism, all there. All the requisite throws available on tape, but like Tannehill, struggles with mental processing. Brett Ripien out of Boise State, quick release, tight window accuracy. Pressure can consume him and force him into the costly turnover when he tries to go hero ball on the defense. And the last name here that I love, Tyree Jackson out of the University of Buffalo. He is six foot seven, 245 pounds. He runs kind of like Cam Newton. He can threaten the entire field with his arm, but he has a lot to be cleaned up mechanically speaking. But I think he could be a big time project for some team in the NFL, and he might progress up draft boards as we go forward here this season and into the draft season. I know that's a long way off and we've got another nine games before that becomes our focus, but it's always nice to kind of have an idea and check out the draftnetwork.com. Those guys are far and away the best in the business and they have a fantastic website up live right now for you guys. And real quick, before we close up shop, I have two programming notes for you guys here on the podcast. And one thing I pride myself on is the customer slash listener interaction and giving you guys what you want as best I can. Well, I came across this note from September 25th from Tony213422 titled, Ugh, two-star rating. Every 23-minute show has seven minutes of ads. That's not true. A little too much for me. Quality content for the most part, and I get things cost money, but that's an inordinate amount of odds of ads versus content. The reason we have to do those ads, guys, is because... That's how I make my money. I quit my job back when this podcast started taking off and getting more success because I do have a fantastic fiance who can support me in the interim, but also I turned this thing into a money-making venture for myself. And the only way I can give you all the content that I do and spend four to five hours on this football team every single day is by those ads. So if they bother you, I do apologize, but That's what we got to do to get this kind of content. I don't think you'll find this kind of content from anybody else doing this as a hobby. This is my job. That's how they pay me. So I thank you guys for going with me on all the ads and all the stuff that we do in the podcast here. I really, really appreciate it. But that's my explanation for why we have the ad reads. And speaking of this podcast and being available to you guys, we should now be on Google Play. I had a couple of requests on Twitter. That sounds like it's been taken care of right now. On tomorrow's podcast, we'll have the crossover previewing the Thursday night game against the Houston Texans. I'm probably going to do some type of midseason report card podcast on Monday and Tuesday since we have the extra days without having a game to recap. That recap podcast will be this Friday. And then next Wednesday, it'll be back to business as usual. 
getting you guys ready for Dolphins and Jets in week number nine on November the 4th. But as for this podcast, that is going to be my time. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.